This is our second session on Philippians 4, 8, and 9. And what I did last time was point out that in the preceding paragraph, you have Paul telling us that by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we should let our requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, use of the mind, that is, this peace comes in a way that cannot be merely accounted for by human thinking, that peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And my point last time was that this peace of God, guarding your hearts and minds from anxious thoughts does not leave the heart and mind empty or, or passive. Rather, it produces a certain kind of thinking and practice. So the point last time was the peace of God does not produce passive minds or passive bodies, when we are enjoying the restful peace of God, there is a use of the mind that he commends to us and a use of the body and our activity that he commends to us, which if we practice them as reflecting the peace of God, we will enjoy the fellowship of the God of peace in an ongoing way. So the question today is, what are we to think when we are ruled by the peace of God? Father, our minds are a factory of thoughts and all kinds of emotions when the heart is considered in combination with the mind, and we want our minds and our hearts to be guarded, like Paul says in verse 7, and we want them to be filled with right things, not destructive things. And so show us what Paul helps us or how he helps us do that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, that's what you do with your mind. Think about these things. This word logizeste here, to, to reckon or to ponder with a view to making sure that we see things as they really are and reckon them to be according to what is. So he mentions six things and then two summary things. And notice, whatever, 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 whatever. Six times you get whatever. And he didn't have to do that. He could have said it just once and let that cover all the list. But he said it six times, so it seems to imply a kind of comprehensiveness. Wherever you see the just, the true, the pure, the lovely, the commendable, Take that into your mind and deal with it 
in a way that reflects the peace of God. So let's take these one at a time and see what they teach us. Whatever is true, think about that. In other words, untrue things should not be embraced in the mind. If you hear something on the news or somebody tells a, a, a slander and you know this is untrue, you don't savor that untruth. You don't follow the untruth. You don't love what is false. You love what is true. And so the peace of God leans in to what is true because God in his peaceful nature is the measure of all truth. So we sift through. This is, this is a call to sift through every claim we hear or read or see and penetrate through anything false, anything misleading and get to what really is. Those who have been set free from anxiety by the peace of God are lovers of truth. They're lovers of reality. They, they have an allergy to what is false and misleading and fake. Second, whatever is honorable, distance yourself, not only from what is untrue, but what is dishonorable, shameful, ignoble. The peace of God is not the kind of mindset that enjoys pleasures that come from disreputable things, disrespectful things, ignoble things. Third, whatever is just. So not only what is untrue will your mind turn away from in the peace of God, and not only will it turn away from what is dishonorable and shameful and base and low, but it will also turn away from what is unjust. The mind of God, the peaceful mind that enjoys God's fellowship, is a mind that cares deeply about justice. And the fact that there's injustice is not something he will savor. He won't take that into his mind and roll that around on the tongue of his mind. He loves righteousness and he loves just dealings. Fifth, whatever's pure. Now here's, we've seen it already, but let me draw it out here. What Paul is doing in these words, true, honorable, just, and pure, is providing us with categories of assessment that are broader than most of us are used to. Most of us have the category true and false. We, we don't want anybody to trick us. We want to believe what is true, not what is false. A little less common, perhaps, is the category of honorable and dishonorable. That, there's a lot of people who don't operate with that category. And Paul's saying, you should. This category, we do operate with pretty naturally. We don't like to be treated unjustly. We should treat others unjustly. We should think about what is just and right. Purity 
is a category that many people do not operate with. And this is relevant because lots of people who care about justice don't care about purity. I was listening to a lecture the other day where the author was making, or the speaker was making the point that one of the reasons there are divisions between people is because some people operate with some categories that others don't even think about. So if you have a category of purity in behavior, like sexual relations, instead of just a category of true or just, so a just person might say, well, if it doesn't hurt anybody, then it's okay. Whereas a person who operates with the category of purity would say, well, no, it's not okay because it's impure. And God has instructed us in ways that deal with our purity as well as justice. So that's what Paul's doing here. He's broadening in truth and honor and justice and purity. He's broadening the categories with which we assess things. And here's another one. So stir into the category of truth and the category of honor and the category of justice and the category of purity. Stir in the category of beauty. Don't fill your mind with just things that are ugly or true things that are ugly. Don't give yourself over to what is grotesque and loathsome. There's a category that some people don't operate with, but we should. Whatever is commendable. And now he broadens out the category from what is objectively true or just or pure or honorable and says what other people commend does matter. It's not an absolute criteria or criterion, right? Just the fact that somebody commends something doesn't make it good. But we don't want to fill our minds with what is offensive. We, a Christian doesn't try to offend people by what he thinks or says or does. And so it, what is commendable or praiseworthy really matters. So there you've got six categories of assessment. And when we assess things as true and just and honorable and pure and lovely and commendable, that's what we fill our minds with and dwell on because that's what accords with the peace of God that passes all understanding and is guarding our hearts and minds. And then he has two more ways of saying it. I think these are summary. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, now worthy of praise here is very much like commendable, but I think he's stepping back and he's giving us two broad kinds of thoughts. Any excellence or any virtue means that there are objective excellences, objective virtues, and if there's any of them, include them in your thinking. And here, this is subjective responses to excellence, right? Anything worthy of praise means people are praising it, and if it's worthy of praise, we should think about it. So, Praising is a subjective response to this objective. So he's simply taking two very broad categories here. Anything that's good, anything that's excellent, anything that's um, virtuous, think about that. Or come at it another way. Anything that is worthy of the subjective response of praise, think about that thing. In other words, it just seems to me that all of this is Paul's way of providing for us 
categories of assessment that accord with the peace of God. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And one of the ways it guards your mind is that the peace of God dictates that this is the kind of thing we will take into our mind. Next time we turn to verse 9.